0: Neil, we are recording.
1: did you?
2: Oh, I see. Okay, thank you,
1: Zerk. Uh, welcome to the third in the series of recitations with uh, Olafur Eliasson on why make almost anything. Uh, we're going to start with some updates from his last assignment, uh, and then follow that, open this into a discussion about why make versus how to make, and this this will complete this. Trial of the cycle of um, three. Uh, so, initially, we'll show a couple things to Oliver, and Oliver, you should be able to see this on the screen you're following. Um, uh-huh. I wanted to start first to share with everyone an interesting thing. At the same time this class was emerging with Oliver, uh, the class I teach at MIT. Uh, the How to Make class, which was the basis for Fab Academy, every year at the end of it, we have a wrap-up session. And at the end of the wrap-up session last year, we had a very funny conversation. A group of people said, this class was good. Here, uh, it's very similar to the Fab Academy class, but they said, you didn't teach design. And I said, wait a minute, this whole class was about design. And they said, no, you didn't teach design. And they were saying sort of design with a capital D, and I was saying design with a lowercase d. So I said, okay, well, how do you teach design? And it led to a very interesting conversation, which was there's a trial at MIT, not of why make, not how to make, but how to design. And what they did is they took a series of concepts like one was failure. And so one week was all the different ways things fail and you study failure and you find ways to fail. Um, you know, One was telling stories. Uh, it, one was scaling, how little things become big things. And they take each of these things and don't deal with them as sort of things to tease out in a the studio. They just kind of, meca- sort of like we teach how to make they just mechanically go through each of these skills as sort of a how to make for design. And we'll see how it goes. It's an ongoing experiment to sort of try to take an almost mechanical approach to the non-mechanical things about design. So I wanted to mention this as one interesting experiment, relate, not the same, but related to what we're doing here that's ongoing.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like and- that word, non-mechanical Coming from you, it sounds so um, interesting.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Okay. And then for for the assignment you sent about making global warming manifest, I wanted to share one very interesting project um, from MIT. Mm -hmm. So there's three steps to this. I'm going to open three tabs it was it it had a very surprising outcome in you know in this very practical setting so a group of students did a press release, press release. Um, and this was a strange thing to do it it you know MIT is full of hacking where you like you know put a police car on top of the dome or you know inflate balloons in the middle of football games and you just do them and so this was very strange a sort of a press release Part of what they did was making a press release itself was a statement. It was a press release on an action they were going to do, which was a strange thing to do. And then um, what they did was uh, they printed blue tape to say divest from fossil fuels. Um, And then they taped campus at the level the sea level would rise to if we don't change curves. So if you project on what we're on, one day everybody came to campus, you know, most people didn't know there was a press release and the whole campus was covered with 4 miles of blue tape. Everywhere you went on campus, there was this blue line covering campus.
3: The whole amazing. campus.
1: Had, yeah, it was this amazing effort and so of course everybody was wondering what the hell is this blue tape and what is this about and you, you read the tape and you find what is this blue tape everywhere and you know you you just sit around, everywhere you go there is this blue tape um and the end of the story was really interesting um this is a, a statement released by MIT's president saying wow that was a great thing to do MIT needs to take this seriously and so the end result was implicitly what rafael is saying is you know we been taking it as seriously as we should. As an institution, we need to engage in this. And i saying it's great the students did this intervention. As an institution, we need to catch up to them. We'll engage in that. And so yes. there was an immediate outcome, but it left this really interesting echo of goodness. If that's where the line is, we need to pay attention. And then the student hack leading the administration to say, my goodness, we need to tune in and take this seriously. And so it ended up being a real comes from it, but it was a very effective um cycle all executed with four miles of blue tape.
2: Wow, it sounds fantastic. And um and um did that happen to be participants in our class?
1: Do you know? No, who did this it? was no no, this was uh a little while back. It was uh twenty fourteen. But I cannot it, take the credit for it, sadly. Well, it i I I've periodically <laughs> accused Neil Stevenson of anticipatory plagiarism. Uh, he writes about things I'm going to do before I do them, but he's sort of plagiarizing for me, even though he wrote about it before I did it.
2: But there is, a, um, now that we are uh, talking about it, there is, there is an app which has done, um, you might want to take that down, it's called uh after it's
1: I- that quite, sorry it's not oh, focusing it's, it's just, yeah.
2: can no, you I tell me it, the name so if you notice this uh, the app called uh after Eyes. it's a it's a it's a lovely app yeah exactly there you have it yeah so after Eyes, it actually uh it needs your camera and it needs your positioning, if you allow it to do so, it will make a picture of how much water it will be once the South and North Pole has melted. And it actually works remarkably well because it gives you a lovely um, opportunity to explore whether you are you know, under or above uh, ground, should the poles melt. And you can do variations, so you can also just let Greenland melt and keep the poles. That will allow you to do a, uh, you know. So wow. um, it's a it's a lovely app.
1: Who are these people? Do Do you know the people who did it?
2: Yeah, the, the the programmer is called Justin. Uh, I don't think you. I think you just lost the page. The second verse. They were the they were the launch the launchers. Uh. Yeah. No, I'm I'm on the about for second verse. I see. Okay. No, so yeah. I don't, I just met the program and he, um, you know, we talked, so what it's about, I guess, is how to make explicit what is very abstract. And that blue line in 2014, uh, clearly, uh, offers an opportunity to at least physically compare in your own environment, what would water look like, um, I like that a lot. Um, And just to underscore that, Um,
1: first, like this picture, this is the blue line. This is the president's house at MIT. So this is the blue line going right across his front door that led him to say, what a great thing you did. Um, What I find interesting about what we're doing right now is there is no MIT class really that teaches this skill that says this is a good thing to do yet it's one of the most important possible things we could be doing. And so just before we started, we were having a very interesting conversation of sort of the causality. Is, is the technology important and this is just art or is in fact the technology a skill that's subservient to this much important thing? But there's a big asymmetry. We teach all these classes at MIT, but we don't teach how to make that profound change in your world.
2: Right, um I think there is I think, uh, I, so coming from an artist point of view, Neil, and I think this is maybe also of interest, I think there are people who study the behavioral science based on environmental data, so uh, I think very briefly, last time, I mentioned to you the um the uh, behavioral psychologist called Elke Weber and she has been at a few universities but I mean <clears throat> she she works with decision main, decision making. And The last time I had contact with her, there she is, uh, she was at the Center for Research on Environmental Decisions. But more importantly, Elke Weber um, was on the IPCC board, the board that the United Nations put down to do the climate report that came out in 2016. Uh, after COP in Copenhagen in 15, one year later, 16, uh, the climate report, 400 pages. It's considered the most, some people consider it the most important piece of writing since the Holy Scripts, right? Whether the Bible or the Koran. But the, the thing is, the, the thing is still 400 pages of data, science. And now you talked, Neil, about what skill is needed to turn or translate that data into decision making. How do we change behavior? I mean, and how do we also establish a framework around structural change in societal change? I mean, MIT, knowing about the climate challenge, MIT has been on the Front run of who knows about what goes on in the world. Why has there, since 1990, where this topic emerged on a on a sort of uh, educational uh, trajectory, why has there been no department for environmental decision making studying at MIT?
1: So uh, let uh, me uh, let me comment yeah. on that carefully um, because uh, so um, MIT has been large, impressive energy initiative that says everything to do with energy. And MIT has researchers who very carefully study decision making. They study what influences your decision and how it's irrational and how you can give hints to people and all of that. Um, but again, they don't study how how you put a big piece of tape on the door of the president of the university. that that there's sort of this line between study, influence, and disrupt. And I think you sort of live at this boundary of influencing versus disruption. And there's sort of a place where these academic studies of influence don't cross. That that sort of is where we leave science and become, you know, art and culture.
2: And activists and reality machines and i don't think we should polarize the scientists and the activists but and clearly we need to combine data and and uh, you know uh, i guess you can tell we need to combine data and emotions right because if we have only emotions it might also lead to another trump type of uh, agenda but the mix of data and and feelings but i guess i guess my point is just to generalizing now a little bit there has been increasingly focus on why having access to data does not necessarily lead to change. So knowing things alone does not necessarily prompt—I mean, it does not also do the opposite. But knowing about things does not prevent you. Uh, knowing about things does not immediately make you into change your behavior, which is interesting. Um and and there is a number of different reasons for that. But my point here is that people are more likely to change behaviour based on an emotional frame of reference. Feeling threatened, right? Feeling fear, these are negative feelings, but also feeling happy and feeling stimulated and feeling bad. So non rational stimuli are more likely to influence your decision making. And as we know, that can, that goes in every, they, it also goes in, in less successful areas So you have a non-rational decision making process when you have populist uh, parties, like populism, right? Fear-based, right. polarizing, and so on and so. But still, so now it's the question with regard to uh, how to translate data into action, how do we combine the the, the relevant data with the right emotional um i don't know what to call it emotional convergence you know the kind of the agency uh, that the emotional thing has and i think that a number of uh, did you say something no so a number of situations are for me as an artist of great interest is that simplifying it a little bit we could say that knowing things gives you a sophisticated knowledge base but it does not yet have it has not allowed you to embody the things. So your example, Neil, with the blue line at the MIT is about giving a statement not to what you know, but what how you physically take in the space. So it allows you simply by walking through an area thinking, oh, I would be in waste deep water. So that's an you could call it a embodied type of information it's a experiential walking through you would think of the you know the havoc that the um, the water would create and i guess i'm trying to bring to the point the the success of this initiative or such initiatives is that it combines how do we know with our body or experience knowledge knowledge and how do we combine that with our should i call it our intellectual or our scientific or data-driven knowledge and obviously it's interesting we know there's so much studying on for instance um, reading the paper about the suffering of somebody does not mean that you uh, in following what is expected empathically suffer yourself seeing somebody drown on the tv news does not necessarily create the expected emotional reaction, one could talk about a degree of numbification, feeling numb. So what are the indicators that makes us feel less numb, meaning that we get a sense of a responsibility grid, empathically speaking, for instance, or ethically speaking, if you want. And and in that sense, I think the cultural sector or the arts are, in my view, to a great extent about the de by introducing a um, physical framework is spatially based move based uh, but also of course knowledge and data and so on based uh, and it allows you to go from to trans to transit and this i guess is one of the core elements to be a consuming object or being objectified by your surrounding into being a producing subject subject claiming or taking on or occupying your own space you know knowing very well your own i don't know if i can call it right but you know what you are put in a position where you are expected to take greater uh, agent uh, greater responsibility and so on and uh, so the blue line in this case it offers you Take a space which, to a great extent, is an objectifying space. So now look at that—the the dean of MIT. Look at his home. That is a—you know—it's a neoclassic, a, a kind of a neoclassical statement meant to impose a certain patriarchic and hierarchical. Uh, structure, historically well-known module, you know, following certain rules and sets and central perspective and modern history and all of that, she now suddenly that blue line in its own uh, subversive uh, uh, clumsiness with success uh, has turned a patronizing, you could say, objectifying space into a subjectifying opportunity. It has turned you by simply walking through into an activist do you see that do you see how i'm not seeing the blue tape as an isolated phenomena i'm i'm trying to see the accumulated uh, infrastructures or the power structures or the social structures or the the, the kind of the, um, the 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 coming together of trajectories your trajectory The building trajectory, the historic trajectory, and so on and so forth. Um, That is. um, What strikes me as you're talking
1: is the Fab Academy teaches these skills. Very clearly, you just learn the skill, and that's the skill. Um, The how to design is sort of the same spirit but it's not how to use a laser cutter. It's like how things fail or how they get constrained. What I'm finding interesting as you're talking is you're talking about like a set of skills, but it's like, when it's good to create fear, when rules should be broken versus respected, when ambiguity, when subject, you're describing a whole set of skills, you know, in, in what you just said, you enumerated like 20 skills that that are very powerful yeah. and very important yeah. skills that we just sort of assume you intuit, but never talk. Of, you know, in, in the world I live in, we never talk about directly.
2: Yeah, but I, that's why I say I never, I, I never see myself as a multidisciplinary. I I see myself as a non-disciplinary because it's everything. But this is generalization. Doesn't? It's also not fair. Okay. But I'm just saying that. A great field of study is, of course, also risk perception. And, you know, change in behavior has a lot to do with risk assessment. And risk assessment uh, has so many subcategories in it, which I find very interesting. But there are interesting sort of predominantly factors in risk, risk assessment. If we live at a constant rate of risk, we get quite quickly as humans, homo sapiens, use the risk, and we are less likely to address and change uh, the risk, because you very quickly get very used to it. So it's very interesting, for instance, if people live in a very patriarchic and, 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 and let's say, um, suppressive uh, environment, they actually are – the tendency is to adapt to the risk rather than change it. And this is interesting with the climate crisis. Uh, we, we are frogs sitting in boiling water, one could argue, right? Because the the slow increase of the climate challenge is going to be throughout our lifetime that we, we won't, we are less likely, it's called the time perception perspective, we are less likely to react on it. So again, it's different degrees of numbification, of feeling numb or feeling inadequate or feeling that I don't, you know, the time is just so abstract that I have no or little impact on it and therefore I am less likely to act on it.
1: Yeah, I have a colleague who is a physicist in Congress who now runs the American Association for Advancement of Science, and he's an expert in risk perception. And it was really eye-opening for me to learn from him, you know, things like when you get in your car to drive to the protest about a power line having electric fields that'll give you cancer, the epidemiological risk from the power line is unmeasurable. The risk from driving your car is huge. And numerically, it makes no sense to drive to that protest by orders of magnitude. But your perception of risk is incredibly nonlinear and very, very far from, from – it's how you perceive it. It has nothing to do with the, the data.
2: And according to the Weber that I mentioned before, there is also the so-called finite pool of worrying. If we worry about terror attacks, it was proven that after 9-11 every worry went into terror, uh, you know, uh, preventive measures of terror. Uh, That means that the, 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 the finite pool of worrying was used up so people did not worry so much about the climate because they had already spent every dollar on the worrying account and they, you know, And then once the terror uh, had been dealt with and they were not worried about that, the worry would not go somewhere else. They felt that they had... Anyway, these are interesting topics. But the question is, of course, what do we... And when I say we, I'm a cultural sector practitioner. And let me just throw in one example. First, I just want to start by... Elke Weber sent me a brain. (coughs) You see... Is a brain? Yeah. Yeah. And it's made by an artist. Let me just put my brain <laughs> on my head here. <laughs> quite quite, quite um, handsome. <laughs> it's made by. Uh, do we have the artist? Let me just say the artist's name for the for, because it's it's actually a, a lovely person. Uh, um, do you know there was the climate science march? Yeah. And here, Elke is uh, walking the march with the, with the artist. Um it's her name is Karen Netta, right? Carnetta, it's so it's so cool. So I'm just I just wanted to wear the science brain. Uh, being a cultural practitioner with all you brilliant scientific minds. I thought it was uh, Karen Madden um uh, made this uh, great climate march thing. So it's still we are still marching so to speak. You see the brain here? Um if I do like this? Yeah. Yeah. Brain power. <laughs> anyway. Um, let me take you, so so we were talking about to what extent can we collaborate, so culture sector, and i don't mind, I don't mean say, to say collaborate as if we were not already in the same boat, you know, talking about the blue line, the sea level, the rises, so we are you know, there's not science and culture, right? It's pretty much we are all the same. So look at this thing here. I, I brought this up before, maybe you show uh, the Little Sun homepage and I think we might just as an application to the discussion we have had. I don't know if I showed uh-huh. this already before. this is this is actually uh, a solar panel. And so
1: keep, keep talking, I'm just going to turn something oh, off, keep going.
2: A solar panel <laughs> and uh, a little LED and if I turn it on. So, what I did outside here is that I um, recorded with my little solar panels, I recorded the sun, right? So, what this is, it's a little handheld power station. It's a sort of a small portable power station. And obviously, as uh, Neil, if you have pulled up the Little Sun uh, homepage, you can see it's really about addressing power access to energy in off grid parts of the world and now let me go to the science culture part because this is a topic I could talk a lot about this is a smaller version smaller because it has less plastic and I don't know if you can see oh it doesn't really show yeah this the next one what it doesn't show is actually the shape of a diamond um point is together with a solar engineer and an economical scientist and, you know, a lot of other talent, to be, to be only fair. Um, the, the, the thing is here, this, this is a decentralized source of power. We have currently, with this project that, I, that I'm involved with or that I have co-founded, we have distributed 280,000 of these in Sub-Saharan Africa. But now let's stick to the science part and let's not fall into some kind of um, uh, sort of Africa uh, uh, top-down type of uh, discussion here. So, 280,000 lamps which save every family household for one dollar a week. These are numbers according, according to the certification systems that we have to follow, right? One dollar a week gives you $50 a year. Let's say $50 a year, it's been out there for four years. That's the guaranteed lifespan. Four years times 50 is $200. See, now $200 times 280,000. I'm, I'm, I'm just guess, guessing a little bit here. That's about 50 million, right? 200 by 280. It's 50-something 50, 50 million U.S. dollars that has not gone into petroleum. Because every family, four people, one household, spends $1 a week on an average, in sub saharan Africa, on petroleum. On top of that, there's 30% biomass, cutting, you know, a lot of, it's a lot more complex, but just taking to the number. Okay, $50, 000, $50 million. That, if you buy petroleum for that, if I'm not wrong, it's about 5,000 cubic tons of petroleum, raw petroleum, right? 5,000 cubic tons. That is roughly a medium-sized tanker. And now, so think of the fact that with the Little Sun, the arts, culture, science, solar science, environmental science, and so on, we took out one tanker delivering, probably it came from the Middle East, maybe Qatar, and it landed in Djibouti, East Africa, released all its oil. It probably was diesel at the time into that we took one tanker out of—I don't know how many tankers come. Maybe it's once a week, or maybe it's once a day, actually. But 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 eventually, the principle I'm curious about is the decentralization of the the, the power. I'm not saying it's the most economical viable model, and electrifying or making a grid is by by all means a lot more efficient and more reliable than this little uh, handheld lantern. But point is, it's a little bit like the pebbles on the beach. It's a, like a crowdfunding. It's the sort of a crowdsourcing access to energy. So, so it me, if I could. There's Yeah, yep. Neil, go so ahead. For, to manage time
1: in a minute, I'm going to transition. There are a few other things we want to show you. But as you're exactly. speaking, I was struck by an idea, which is um, the power is distributed, but the production of those is centralized. Um, a really fun exercise we could do coming out of today's session would be any of these fab labs all over the world has the means to make little suns. They might need a few parts, but most everything they can make already locally. So we could do a very interesting, both technical, but sort of performance piece where in one day we could have a thousand fab labs all over the world, each making little suns. the the next generation design and you push go and you don't ship little suns, you ship data and little suns appear all over the world. I think a a one day event of making them could be a really interesting exercise. Would that be of interest?
2: Yeah, that would be great. And the point is obviously that being resourceful or being powerful or being a power station is not, hang on, it's not just about, you know, having power in your hand. It's also about feeling powerful, you know, feeling resourceful. So the point here is talking back to the behavioral change aspect. By using solar energy on a microscopic level, I gradually gain confidence in my ability to power myself by virtue of renewable energy in an economically viable way, and I am more likely to choose power panels for the roof of my house, having grown up and made my homework with a little solar lantern. So this, my, my point here is that this okay. is like an emotional, it has emotion, emotional contingency. And that's so the reason I'm reacting yeah, yeah.
1: The reason I'm reacting is I'm realizing um, if we do this exercise, which I would love to do, the big difference is Every one of these little sons we all make in one day all over the world can be different. And so rather than all of the kids having the same little son, it all has the same capability, but everybody can have a different little son that they have a personal relationship that reflects who they are. And so that's why I think this would be such a beautiful next stage because we could make 200,000 little sons, everyone, which is different reflecting 200,000 people.
2: Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, uh, clearly um, clearly, you would probably want to make a bigger one, bigger solar panel, which has a mobile phone charger because we are living in the world where talking to each other is also light. Um, right. But that's not, let's not stick to that. But I was trying to bring about the kind of um, the slash between science, culture, behavioral change, and the fact that what makes people... What makes people makes people enjoy this is not necessarily the quantifiables, the five hours the light, the amount of light, the, the sort of the the statistics, the predictable successes. Maybe what is going to make people drive drive people into change is the emotional aspect. Maybe it's more the fact that you can use it to party with than study with. We know studying is important, but maybe partying is more convincing from a behavioral change point of view. Got
3: it.
2: Let's go on. Uh,
1: Comp Linford, can you join and explain this project? Yes. Danielle, are you there? Go ahead.
4: Can you hear me? Go ahead. Yeah. Okay. So, if possible, Adriana, the last time, had to present something about mining works uh, I, I don't know if you yeah, can ask the yeah. more space about this. Yeah. So the assignment is still in the old page of Smiling Works of uh, Camp Info. if this is uh, fast for you. Thank you very much. And then good I think the words were the other. Where should I go? Where should I go? Uh, just go to the landing page of Fabla Camp Limford in the Fab Academy archive. And in Smiling Works,
0: at the end of the page is the assignment the development of the assignment uh well i thought about the uh, smiling and uh, the act of uh, having a from having a negative emotion and uh, yeah maybe uh, we will uh, uh, wait a little bit
4: yeah, sorry. <laughs>
0: A little bit up. Yes. So I was thinking about the situations that we have in a fab lab, and uh, I thought about um, in one of the articles that uh, uh, Olaf growth uh, he um, he think about the if, uh, we are uh, in a sense that we are living in an environment we are um, losing the responsibility of what we are doing in the environment. I hope that it's uh, right. I, what, what it's my understanding. I, I put the, the citation of the, of the sense, sentence in the model. Uh, model is real. So I was thinking about the negative emotions and how we can get from a negative emotion a positive experience. Uh, then I was thinking about uh, so, so, for example, a situation that we have. Uh, um, yeah, often in the Fab Lab is that uh, for example we forget to organize our uh, stuff and for example this is uh, one of the situations that I hate to say something uh, to someone to say please help us to have a, a good environment. Mm-hmm. So what I thought uh, was to uh, organize, to have a, a nice experience through the icon, the Pac-Man. This is a uh, uh, icon that everyone is uh, using for, for for yeah, and it's nice. And we try to to um, extract the form of the Patman with this um, um, neopixel rings and uh, have an interaction with uh, with an object. So it's a little bit about the 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 sense that we are thinking about a, 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 an object with memory uh well when uh, we th- we thought about for example doing a table that could react and in order if you stand up the table will react afterwards we do- we thought about the pa- uh, part or kind of pillow that you can put in your in your seat uh yes place, and then when you uh, stand up, then the department will uh, blink and uh, sound, and uh, it's the way that you have to react and uh, return and take your things and uh, help us to have a good environment and have a positive experience Um. So we have here the prototype that is working, but sounds not so loud because we have a lot of uh, a lot of noise here, but uh,
1: you can see it.
0: It is the Fatman and I have uh, here the prototype. We combined also other kind of materials because I am uh, I get the value of the materiality. If you have, so like, for example, textile or wood around there, your interaction could be, uh, yeah, it, uh have another kind of experience uh, near to the well-being. So therefore, I uh, I was looking around other kind of materials that I can get my other kind of interaction. So uh, yeah, this is the yeah yeah the actuator with all the electronic inside. And yeah, I didn't do this wireless. Therefore, I tried to uh, embed all the cables in the textile. And, yes, this okay. is a part, and in between, it's a sandwich uh, function that we, we have a textile that is, um, yeah, that is uh, generating the, the capacity sense.
4: Yeah. It,
0: I don't know if you can. Yeah, they can. Text. Yeah.
4: That's it. <laughs>
2: Thank you. Thank you so much. And um, and uh, I'm. Uh, I I'm sorry, Debbie, Danielle, you have
1: a bad echo when you're not talking. Please mute. I'm sorry, Neil? Yeah, I'm just telling. Daniela has feedback on his side, so he needs to mute when he's not talking to us. Otherwise, we get an echo. Go ahead, Oliver.
2: So um, the Pac-Man. Um, if I understood it right, the Pac-Man essentially close once you stand up, and my question is, it by doing so, it, you said it reminds you to clean up the table after you. It's a little bit like my, my, you know, you know. Yeah, I mean, it's well, uh, my, my,
0: I. My, my.
2: Sorry, as person,
0: I have to do this by myself, but I think that it's not like it, we we thought in the last session that one a smile can be so like ironic or so not too nice and i thought that maybe if it is a omnipresent object that it will uh, give this message because it's not only about the it's not only about the, that i have to say something because i i, I as a as, as um as a assistant here in the publab I, I don't i don't think that it's only my responsibility but also for all of one and i think that with emotions we can change the convivence of the people
2: Yes, yes. As
1: background to this, all fab labs struggle with reminding people to clean up after themselves. And so I think what's interesting is whether you can give people sort of low-level positive feedback that makes them feel good to clean up after themselves without even necessarily being aware that's what's happening. Yes. I get that
2: part, and that, that is – um. Um you know, being in an artist studio, we uh, romanticize—it's not completely true—the chaos, um, and um, you know, cleaning up is uh, not something we are born with, but we grow into. But but anyway, I mean, I I like this idea of the activity cha- mode change indicator. Standing up is also changing your pattern, and I guess. That uh, calls, you know, if you change trajectory, that calls for action. I like it in that sense that you are telling the room that you have left your orbit and you are now entering a different orbit. Uh, orbit change indicating system, the Pac-Man. For me, the Pac-Man was always more like a planet than about uh, until somebody told me it's actually a cheese, which I didn't realize. Um. And now I'm, I can see it's a kind of a glowing, it's a, like a little sun, uh, like a solar kind of uh, thing. But um, yeah, that's great. I think if everybody in the room <laughs> had this and there was all these pigments on the table, it could be quite a light show, uh, you know, if people were getting up and down all the time. That would, that would be, create a great atmosphere, yeah. You know? Okay, good,
1: we're going to run out of time. Uh, Danielle, thank you. Danielle, can you go on to the so warming
4: project? Yeah, okay, so uh, we had a lot of ideas, a lot of discussions, and uh, for the implementation part, we did only this right now, and uh, uh, that is uh, actually my personal idea that I also was joined by two other students, and uh, my idea was Danielle. Yeah, Danielle, yeah. Danielle.
1: You. Um,
4: um, yeah, okay. So my basic idea was to make the people feel like that they are uh, going to be submerged by the water. So because of this, I just realized uh, a small box in which I 3D printed a city and also some, some people. And then I placed uh, in this box also a huge uh, block of heights and then I let the high melt and the, the water submerge the city and the, and the people. So you can see also in some pictures, uh, for example, that the people is like uh, 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 submerged by the water and the whole city is uh, going underwater. So but my personal opinion on this is, of course, this, this is, is just a, a small implementation in the fab is that why uh, uh, why we don't like force the people to pass through the water to access, for example, to the supermarket or to go outside from from their from from their houses, in order to feel like uh, directly you know, on their uh, uh, like skin, the water or uh, what they could uh, encounter in this? Or, or for example, uh, I was thinking about making this box like huge, with a huge it's piece like of uh, melting. Um Hello. I'm I'm
3: not really, sure.
1: really, really sure. um, there is no um, cloud you should no. make yourself.
4: Um what what um, you've made what, what you've made is like a snowflake cloud for snow planetaries. Plan 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 plan. Uh we were thinking okay. about this but not mm-hmm. start realizing the, the, the idea. And uh, I think that the bigger it is or maybe the more people will see this along the along the normal day. Maybe they will get some uh Feeling
2: that they are getting submerged uh, in some way. Yeah. And um, I mean, I think um, melting ice is always great. I think it would be great if it was a piece of glacier. Is that a piece of glacial ice? Farm? Are you in Italy? Maybe you can go up to the Alps and pick some. Uh, there's a few glaciers around there. Uh,
1: Oliver,
2: can you explain oh, this picture? Neil, is that are you showing that picture for me?
1: Yeah, I, I'm asking. Yes. Can you just since it's related to what we're talking about? Can you explain this yes. picture?
2: Yeah, exactly. Yes. So I that's why I like the idea so much. It reminds me of myself. Sorry about that. But this is a <laughs> this is a, the picture you see now. That's a dad, a father, trying to teach his sun about global warming by putting the sun's head into a piece of glacial ice, holding him there, freezing him. No, I'm just kidding. But, you know, so the glacial ice in this case comes from Greenland, uh, more specifically Ilulisat. You might want to check out that on Google. uh, Ilulisat. uh, Can you spell it? Yeah, Ilulisat. Well, that was a why. Yeah, Ilulissat Greenland. Yeah, try that. Yeah. You go, go on pictures. Not maps. Yeah. So, Ilulissat. So we had a boat. Uh that's a that's the kind of a climate activist tourist hotspot in Greenland when uh, Merkel had to take her, had a picture the German president Merkel had her picture taken. It's in Ilulissat. When Obama went to Greenland, it's Ilulissat. Anyway, point is, um, with that ice for the COP22 in Paris, where uh, Laurent Fabius, the French uh, climate minister at the time, uh, prepared the signing of the agreement, we had a number of these ice chunks put on the street, very much like your project in that in that box, to show the melting of the ice my God, this is nice, there you go, uh, the melting of the ice, and what it did, just like your ice cube there, it melted onto the street of Paris, and it's interesting because this is 15,000, oh no, yeah, about 15, maybe 25,000-year-old ice from the glacier, um, if I understand it right, and it turns out that it has actually, uh, once, you know, once it's melted, it's polluted, so the cleanest water in the world is obviously the one from 15,000 years ago. Besides an occasional volcano polluting uh, the environment, there was really not much. Uh, and they, so, the, so the, the, besides it being glacial ice, it's just like a stunning. Um, so ice is, of course, relative. And, and um, so I love your model. And I love the idea of doing it big scale, putting an aquarium around a house, <clears throat> filling it all up. Yeah, I'm struck uh, uh,
1: picking up from the discussion about the president's house. If you had, like, a model of the city with people in it, and then just you watch them, it'd be very sad to watch them slowly disappearing. It's very visceral. I mean, I'm, I'm reacting very strongly just watching the laser-cut box as, as the people are drowning.
2: Yeah, yeah. But also you could... I be can you feel
4: very Ah, Yes, we could try. Uh, well, I was telling that I had a very anxious feeling when a piece of ice dropped in into the water. Looking at this video, like, like here. I, I was looking at this piece of ice going down and then the water rising up. And this make, made me feel very anxious about this. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Neil, can you look up Superflex? And then McDonald's. Superflex, McDonald's. Flooded McDonald's, Superflex, yeah. Go there. Do you see? Take a look at that picture. It's a film. If you press watch video.
1: Oh, you need flash. Oh. um, Okay, no. I think
2: there we go. Yeah. Anyway, um, so. Some friends of mine, a great artist group, you might want to look them up. They they are called Superflex. They are doing the Turbine Hall project at the Tate Modern this year. But anyway, Superflex put a glass wall around a McDonald's. And then they just opened, you know, then they they let the water flood in. And it's a love. (laughs) I mean, McDonald's was not so happy about it. But it's gradually seeing a McDonald's being flooded. So there's a few people working on the narrative. Uh, It's it's an absolutely amazing film. Wow. Uh, we send you the link later.
1: Yeah. Um, Daniel, anything else to say on
4: that one? Uh, I did this with all the two students. Maybe they want to say something about it? No. No, that's it. Thank you very much. Okay. And then... um,
1: Spinder Holland, I know you haven't gotten very far. Do you want to talk about what you're you're planning to do? Oh, well, my um Actually, the, the person who has uh, worked mostly with it is not here today. Um, He's giving a course on the laser cutter. Okay. So, but can you tell yes. us what we you're working on? Already. But can you tell us just do you want what you're working on? I, I've been completely out of it working on my Fab Academy project, and I know Eva wants to tell but It's not. It's
0: hello, everybody. It's, it's not super cool just to talk about it. I, I wanted to just show something, but we didn't. We didn't even make a sketch of it. Um, so I don't think it's so cool just to sit and talk. Uh, I mean, we. Uh,
1: okay.
0: I don't know how you feel
1: about it. No worries. Don't worry we can show later if you prefer, and then um fiori, I don't know if you're on fiori had had a project he was developing okay um, so we're there's about oh less than ten minutes left to discuss future plans, next steps. Um, Neil? Yep.
3: Go ahead. This is Roma. Yep. Oh, I sorry, wanted want, to show something. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, no problem. But first, like, there's so many things to say. Like, there's one thing, like, two or three things that I would like to use your hands for. Could you type in ECSDNC plus my name? ECSDNC. Uh Uh-huh, plus my name, Roman Divozzo, Divozzo, yeah, oh yeah, yeah, you need just to separate my name and uh, the ECS DNC, and put uh, pictures, yeah, or that thing, yeah, that would work. I wanted to show, like, quickly this work I I started to work on in 2007, and uh, it's, like very similar to what you, you showed before at MIT. But the thing is that it's not like an horizontal level I would try to show, but like a measurement. So its sentence was one meter long. The idea was to, to produce that, that like roll, but I couldn't find anyone able to print a roll of one meter long, uh, like I'm in a sentence of one meter long on a full roll. So I started to collaborate with a group of students, and they they made the machine. I mean, they they didn't make it, but they prototyped it or they they designed it. And uh, if you if to the titles you you add w, we can get the full book. So sorry, tell Thank me what to go
1: to. Tell me what you want me to
3: do. You just put i i w s w. Um, yes. Uh, oh, yes. Yeah, sorry. Uh, U and U, not W. Sorry. Thank you. And then there is a livret, like a brochure. And if you move the the, the pages, you can see that they worked on a design. Oh, we don't see it.
1: Sorry. Um, it's not showing it. Hold on. Uh, Google, Chrome can be weird in cloud instances without GPUs.
3: Let me go go to Firefox. Okay. Okay. Awesome. So if we move the tables, like the pages, um, we can see the design and what the students made, like the, the, the mechanisms and stuff like that. I never had a chance to produce the machine, but, like, it's been, like, collaboration. Very interesting. That was the first time I, I was doing that. So and, sorry, me,
1: um, this is a machine to make custom message tape?
3: Yeah. Yes, exactly. But that, at the beginning, I just wanted to make this environmental crime scene do not cross roll. That would like spread everywhere. People would want to make it. And, uh, and then you, you but, had to make the machine but, but first.
1: Sorry, to connect pieces... One of the FabLab projects yep. is machines making machines. And so what you're introducing is, like the MIT climate tape in your crime scene tape, you could have you know, the message tape. You don't want to overuse it, but you could have the message
3: tape of the week for different purposes. If you had a message tape. Yeah, it's true, <laughs> that would be nice. But that was before I, I got into the, the FabLab network. So like, okay. it's, it's a well, vast think- project.
2: The, the the thing is, I think we will probably see this tape eventually anyway. We will have environmental crime scenes and whether the tape looks exactly like this or similar. So I'm just saying that in the future, we are likely to see... So you are, in a way, sending us a message from the future, uh, <laughs> well, the, the not-too-distant future. So that is a bit like making art, because I think making art is very much Verbalizing thoughts that has not yet been thought, so it's like thoughts from the, its future thoughts being sent back, and clearly, um, environmental crime scene. But I'm just thinking, maybe it should maybe it should say, environmental crime scene. Please do cross. You know. Yeah. Me, well, I guess <laughs> I guess there's a there's a pacifying element here and. If the idea is to um, activate people, I wonder whether the fear-based communication, you know, um, you know. Also, I wonder what, you know, what's the great. I'm supposed to give a statement later on what is the greatest threat to our planet, and obviously, it's human, the human kind. Of right? course,
3: I, I agree with you. The the, the fact I am, is that I wouldn't. Uh... I am yeah, go,
2: the ahead. go ahead. Yeah, my, I'm just saying I am the environmental criminal because I'm the human. I'm not nature, so to speak. But anyway, so, I'm also nature.
3: Yeah. That's, what is this issue? That is what a. What
2: is veganism?
3: This? Uh, this this picture is um is a picture uh, is a speculation, but it's made from a real object I found in a uh, wood around my house when I was living in the south of France. And uh, it was kind of a start for me to collaborate with things. You maybe heard of that parliament of things, like written by Bruno Latour. I, I think you know him, uh, Latour. Do you? Uh, yes, yeah. uh, yeah, that's
2: and, uh parliament of things. I love it.
3: And, uh, yeah, I, I was part of SPEEP uh, at Science Po, so I, I studied with him. Oh, I see. But that hard work happened before. And this was meant to be a physical representation of, uh, unfortunately, in a catastrophic way, what would become a territory like the US in this case. But this is, I didn't choose, I didn't pick up the US because I wanted to pick up the US. It's just that that shape corresponded to the the map of the US without any, like some parts that would have degraded. So I started to like to treat this piece of wood As a a commercial uh, uh, artifact. So I wanted to put like one of those brands you can see on many uh, other like art, like products. And I wanted to be able to reproduce it, but it was in 2009, I think. And uh, I, I, I tried to find a 3D scanner somewhere, but they were not really accessible at all. And it's actually one of the other works that like brought me to the Fab Academy to take Fab Academy later. Hmm. And uh, well, this object is a pattern and I wanted to work on patterns. Uh, I, I can go further, but I'll let you, I, I, right. so <laughs> I want you're, you're to- you're trying to show,
1: try, trying to make manifest if we keep on what we're doing, th- this is what the US will turn into?
3: I mean, this is, this is uh, yeah, this is the idea. It's pretty violent. So I, I wouldn't say it like that, but it's, it's actually what it says. But it could be the US, it could be any place. Hmm. But it, it, it's kind of a political statement from someone making heart, like heart. I mean, okay. Yes. So the possible massive effects of like, uh, I don't know, like drilling to get gas. Uh, extracting oil uh, burning it uh, leaving uh, any like trash anywhere uh, global warming whatever like could lead us to uh, degradation
2: no absolutely but now the question is I mean so what does just so I understand it this particular picture is that then I mean do you uh, What, what does, where does it go where do you show it or how is it or treat it clearly I mean it's
1: do do you wear it do you sell it is there only one of them do you uh, just I
3: uh, I showed it someone wanted to buy it I wanted to keep it and then I still have it it's right here actually (laughs) I wanted to keep it as a as an object so I'm showing it today I guess this is it's last
1: uh, Romain, your video isn't updating unfortunately
3: Oh, okay. But, I got it. But we
1: have a uh, word. We have a word picture. Okay. Okay. I, uh, I'm sorry. I, I, I didn't know. Yeah, we're up to ten o'clock. Yep. So um, I'm mindful of time. Thank I you. think We need to start to wrap up now. Thank you, Ramem. Um
2: Well, thank you for showing.
1: It's great. Yeah. So a, a smaller and a bigger thing to start to wrap up. The smaller thing is I'm quite struck by the idea as a collaboration coming out of today's session that we would do a project where we prepare for Fab Labs in one day all over the world to make little suns, but each one is customized to the person making it. And so we make suddenly little suns all over the world by sending data and personalizing it to the person. I think that would be a it lovely be a collaboration.
2: collaboration. I would, I would be curious to see how it goes, Neil, but let me challenge it. I think it's, not really so difficult to make little sounds, but we should make little sounds that meet the oil or the fossil fuel industry at eye level, competing with them on the price. So not only making little sounds, but obviously doing it within the context of the of the economical environment we live in. Mm-hmm.
1: Good, full agreement.
2: So that could be one follow up, and then the bigger
1: question. I don't think we can answer, and we're over time now, is this could be a a one step. We did this once and it was fun. It could be every year we do a few of these recitations, or this could grow into a whole program like the Fab Academy. And so a question I think coming out of today is uh, which of those routes we go down?
2: Good question. Good question. I think um, we need a degree of specialization. That is my. Uh, I mean, I think that. Um, I mean. The 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 I think there is um, the, the 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 generic difference between what we do is a challenge for me. I think it's uh to uh, to be able to uh, deliver qualitative content. I, 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 so I have a, I think I have a challenge there.
1: So let me do a quick poll of just the people on the video. Again, we're over time. We need to be very quick. Option number one is every year we bring in interesting other olifers for recitations. Option number two is every year olifer comes back and does a few of these. Option number three is this becomes a real academy class with ongoing structure and participants and a lot of much more discipline than this one has. Just... Quick reactions to those questions. Anybody? Just speak up. Uh, yeah. Uh, Go ahead. Personally, I think I, I was really excited about uh, all the first recitations and the assignment, but it's not compatible with the amount of workload we have at Fab Academy. So I would like to have a separate class for it. I think I I really tried to do your assignment, but okay. I could only do the first week. Okay. Well, yeah. One vote for a separate class. Other people, just speak up.
3: Yeah, I I would say that I I think Olafur has an academy as uh, his own academy, right? Yes, yeah, he
4: well, teaches. Not at,
3: anymore. You, oh, you you teach maybe a, a venture between both,
2: well, like for I, complete I class, But the, I teach at the university in Addis Ababa. If you wanna if you come, wanna come and see me in Ethiopia, you should. Okay. Um, okay, Joint <laughs> Venture. Uh, that, other quick
1: comments? We're out of time. Anybody? Remember, Star Sticks on the Bridge. Uh, s- s- silence hello? means we stop here. Go ahead.
2: Uh, can you hear me? Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Uh... I would like to say number 3 uh, as an option. So uh, I believe all of would should take uh, an entire fab academy uh, like fab, uh, fab academy class.
1: So understand it'll be a lot of work for everybody. It'll be he'll, he'll be much tougher on you than he has in these recitations. It'll be a much bigger commitment.
2: Yeah so I was very excited about this option of the why to make almost anything in an academic format.
1: Okay. Good. Given that we're over time, sounds like quite a few votes for that. We'll we'll process it and discuss and continue the conversation. Okay. Thank you so Thank much. Thank you. Oliver. Thank you, everyone. Thank you for your work on these assignments. I really Ta-da.
2: enjoyed it. Thank you. Bye bye. Bye. Oh, ciao. ciao.
3: Bye.